Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. And unfortunately, we got to start with some bad news, which I don't always... I never like to do, but luckily it doesn't happen too often. Uh, higher costs in a tight labor market has unfortunately pushed home builder confidence to a 13-month low, but it may not be as bad as it looks from a historical standpoint. So builder sentiment in the market for newly built single-family homes fell five points to 75 in August, which was actually down three points from the same time last year. So month over month, year over year, not so good. Now, August was the first month in the 70s since last August. And obviously, this is down from the record high that we saw in November. That was a 90. That was the highest number we've ever seen. But putting it in context, any number over 50 indicates that more builders view conditions as good than poor. So the fact is, being above 50 is always good. And the fact that we're at you know, mid seventies is still pretty good in the historical context. Now looking at the regions, the four big regions here in the United States, the West continues to lead the way, which makes sense, right? Because the average house in the West is selling for over $500,000. So if you're building a house in the West, all things being equal, the price to build everything else, yeah, you're going to want to build in the West. You're going to be a lot happier building in the West because that house is going to sell for more. So it did fall, though, two points to 85. The South was number two. It was at 82, down three points. The Northeast was at 74, only dropping a point. And the Midwest was at 68, losing two points in August. Robert Dietz, the chief economist at the National Association of Home Builders, says that even though higher costs and material access issues have resulted in lower levels of home building, they are hopeful moving forward, saying, quote, while these supply side limitations are holding back the market, our expectation is that production bottlenecks should ease over the coming months and the market should return to more normal conditions. So let's hope so. I will say, though, in any other aspect of our economy, that's not the case. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people about businesses cutting their hours because they can't find staff, because their supply chains are having major disruptions. So I'm not sure. Once again, maybe we're lucky because housing seems to kind of be ahead of the curve somewhat. We've talked about that, how housing was kind of first out the gate in the recovery. And the fact that we are seeing some slowing in housing means that housing may be a predictor of what's going to happen with the rest of the economy. So maybe if we start seeing some supply growth, that's going to translate to the rest of the economy because let's hope so. Because I've had a lot of conversations about businesses and just the craziness that is happening with our economy right now. Uh, Some other stats I want to throw your way. Current sales conditions fell five points to 81, but the sales expectations in the next six months held steady at 81 as well. So that means where we are right now is where they're thinking we're going to be six months from now. Not too bad overall but this more evidence that we are seeing some cooling either being forced to cool because home builders just aren't feeling that great or cooling just happening because we're reaching the kind of ceilings for a lot of buyers out there now speaking of buying things retail sales in july were out yesterday and they fell 
We expected that, but they did fall more than expected, according to the monthly report from the Census Bureau. Month over month, retail and food services sales fell 1.1% to $617.7 billion. Now, despite the month over month drop, they were up 5.8% when compared to the same time last year. And like I said, even though they were expecting a drop, that drop was bigger than they were expecting. <laughs> Did I just reword it? What, what am I doing? A college essay where I uh, say a sentence and then just repeat it in a different way. <laughs> the exact next sentence. So they were expecting 0.3%, a drop of 0.3%. And like I said, it was 1.1%. But here is some actual good news in this report. Auto dealers saw the biggest decline, 4.3% drop. Why? Because, well, there's not a lot of inventory and people just are like, hey, I don't want to buy a car right now because of all the craziness that is happening. So this could be good because if you're thinking about buying a car in the next couple of months, the fact that some people are saying, okay, I'm going to hold back on making that purchase and we have seen some drops, there could potentially be some deals now where maybe a month or two ago, no deals. <laughs> you're lucky if you could find a car on the lot. Now, other notable declines, online retailers fell 3.1%, clothing stores were down 26 and home improvement stores, which could explain why Home Depot, even though they beat earnings, saw a drop in their stock yesterday. They were down 1.7%. Home improvement stores, that is. Looking at the other side of the coin, looking at increases, miscellaneous store retailers had the best month, up 3.5%. Gas stations were up 2.4%. And restaurants and bars were up 1.7%. Now, Dean Baker, senior economist at the Center for Economic and Policy Research, said on Twitter that he hates to ruin a good storyline, but the drop in retail sales in July was all due to declines in car sales in online retailers. Now, that's not obviously a Delta variant picture. Restaurant sales were up 1.7%. So he's saying, hey, listen, don't read too much into this. You know, it's funny, whenever something goes negative, whether it's the stock market, whether it's retail sales, whatever it may be. It's so funny to watch the press immediately assume that it's COVID. You're like, the market will drop. Oh, it's COVID. They're worried about COVID. They're worried about Delta. And then the next day, the market jumps back up and it's like, what happened? They're not worried about COVID anymore? <laughs> it was 24 hours. What was the big concern? So a lot of times when there's an unexplained phenomenon that happens, they just assume that it's COVID. And that's, I mean, it, it makes sense. We've been talking about it now for almost two years. And I get it. It's like the default go to. We can't explain something. Ah, let's blame it on COVID. But that's kind of what I saw. A lot of economists that I follow were saying, hey, these numbers aren't too bad. We're above where we were before the pandemic started. So we're on that proper trajectory. And yeah, maybe it's not COVID. Maybe it's just August. Or July. <laughs> it was hot. People didn't want to go out shopping. I don't know. But it might not be COVID, contrary to the headlines that we saw yesterday. Now, before we go, I did want to jump into this. I saw this piece over at NPR, and it was very interesting. Because they were talking about... I know we've talked about this at nauseum. Everyone has. The comparisons between what's happening now in 2008. But there was a very interesting report by Greg... Rosowski, who said now that home prices have surpassed the peak, 
that preceded the 2000s housing crash, people are now worried about a bubble. And I get that, right? The crash bros, everyone ready to call the next housing crash. So we're going to see a whole bunch of articles now about, oh, here we are. It's 2008 all over again. But I think it is good to revisit this topic because you always want to be alert. You never want to fall into this sort of false sense of security and go, oh, housing could never crash again because that's when all of a sudden you're going to see a crash. Never think that. Always think it could happen. Prepare accordingly. But just because it could happen doesn't mean that it is. So first, Rosowski, I think I'm saying that right, looked at a new study by three economists who looked at what happened in 2008 from the hindsight that we luckily have here in 2021. But first, we're going to go back a little further. So they talk about Charles Kindenberger's book called Manias, Panics, and Crashes that actually looked at the invention and spread of steam-powered locomotives in the 19th century and the bubble that that created. Kindleberger writes, quote, investors got overexcited about the economic changes the new technology brought about. They began seeing the sky is the limit. They overspeculated on land that were near railroad stops. And at some point, reality kicked in. Prices began to fall. And then once prices fell, investors couldn't pay their debts. And that led to a crisis. Sound familiar? Yeah, it's every bubble that's ever existed. And the same thing happened in 2008. The fundamental value of living in places like San Francisco, New York, Boston, other superstar cities really did change thanks to tech and finance who were booming. And because of that, they drew people in from around the world and country who wanted good paying jobs. And then while that was happening, cities got a lot safer and a lot prettier. So all of a sudden, everyone wanted to be in New York, everyone wanted to be in San Francisco, everyone wanted to be in Boston, and they were beautiful places to live, and there were not a lot of houses. So we had a big supply and demand issues. But what happened? Homebuyers once again got over-optimistic about housing. And one of the economists who wrote this study, looking at 2008, Charo Roche, says, quote, homebuyers getting over-optimistic became a serious problem because of the big role that mortgages play in financing homes. And that's true. I mean, being over-optimistic is a problem, but poor lending standards are really what made 2008 2008. And so that's why when you look at what happened in 2008 and compare it to what's happening now, there's that sort of big kind of star, which is, yes, 2008 was horrible, but it was also because of bad lending standards, things that you really didn't have in the 19th century and things that definitely are not happening right now. But the authors of this new study do point out that we could be in a, not a similar situation, but could we be getting once again too optimistic? And they point out that the area that they are looking at would be remote work. Everyone assumes, especially right now, that this remote work model, this hybrid model where some people may not have to go in at all, others are going in sometimes and others maybe are going back to normal, that that's going to stay that way. And then, hey, everything's going fine. Everything's great. We're not going to have any problems. But what if that doesn't end up playing out? What if everyone ends up having to go back to work? 
or something else happens and remote work is no longer what it is, you're going to see a lot of people who bought vacation homes and who made these big changes, they're going to have to readjust. And so, yeah, we're not talking 2008 again, but yeah, could you see a correction because of that? Absolutely. And that would affect a lot of vacation destinations. I mean, that would affect where I broadcast out of Wilmington. There's a lot of people that moved here, said, I want to live in Wilmington, but I can work for a company in New York or New Jersey or Boston or DC or whatever, but I can live in Wilmington. Well, what if you can't do that anymore? You're going to have to sell your house in Wilmington <laughs> or make it a vacation home or something along those lines. But yeah, people are going to have to readjust their, their thinking. And so, no, it's not going to be 2008, but yeah, you could see a correction and it could be hard. It could be a bigger correction in areas that have benefited from this remote work situation if that doesn't play out. But you can read the full piece and everything else in the companion newsletter at marketsandmortgages.com. I got to go. You guys have a great Wednesday. I'll see you back here Thursday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.